This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Tractor Zoom, when? and this edition is going to be a little bit different than normal. We're going to do some, <clears throat> we're live in about three different places here, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, trying something new here to see if we can't make it work out, but I have got uh, the guys from Tractor Zoom on here and Iron Comps, and we're going to take a look at what's going on here in August, and what we saw in August was was a very large uh, amount of combines get sold. I think 503, I think, is what, what Kyle told me. And I was, I was guessing right around 500, so my, uh, my rough math in my head wasn't too bad uh, going along the way. So before we get too further down the road, though, Kyle, how you doing, man? Good. How are you? Glad, to, have, glad to be on here. Man, thanks for, thanks for being on. And uh, why don't you introduce who you got, who you got with you here? Yeah, wonderful. Um, I'm sure some of the listeners have, have heard Casey and I talk about what we see in the auction market. And, and today, uh, I, I brought Andy Campbell on, our director of marketing. And truth be told, Andy's the, the one, one that's pulled right all my slides in the past. You do not. And so I said, all right, Andy, so it, it's time man. for you to get on here because he's super passionate about this stuff too. Uh, hopefully, we don't go too far down in the weeds to his data uh, data science and, and mathematical calculations, but uh, ha- happy to have Andy on here. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast number one ninety four. This edition, happy Moving to be Iron on, Podcast and uh, yeah, we'll try to stay out of the weeds as much and, as we can. Well, that's good, man. I, I'm glad it, glad you guys are on here, Andy, and uh, glad to finally meet you. I've, I've I've seen your stuff pop back and forth around. Uh, as we've had a chance to uh, to interact with each other via email and stuff, I've seen you post on social media. So uh, I'm looking forward to what you have to offer here. Good deal. So yeah, uh, are we good to start uh, diving in right now? Yeah, real quick, why don't you outline what it is that you do for, for Iron Comps Tractor Zoom? Sure. Uh, so like Kyle said, official title is Marketing Director. Uh, and what I get to do a lot of, though, is kind of data storytelling. So I grew up on a farm in northern Iowa. And uh, now with the, the vast Tractor Zoom database, I get to use a little bit of the data analytics that I picked up over the years and uh, kind of make sense of everything that I used to see growing up on the farm uh, that I still see when I go back and help uh, my dad on the farm and then uh, really kind of tell a story around all that. So tons of data in here. You can slice it up and dice it up almost any way. And uh, Kyle and I were running through some of it yesterday. And even just yesterday, we were finding new insights and getting all excited about what we're pulling up. So uh, yeah, there is just a ton of stories to tell with this data. Yeah. What's what I, what I think is really cool is so we're, we're using this thing called Microsoft power BI uh, business intelligence tool, which helps us analyze all of the data that we have coming through. As Casey mentioned, we saw five over 500 combine selling this August. Uh, I think we saw 500 and some odd total auctions and uh, just a massive amount of inventory that flew through. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun for us to be able to sit down and, and dive through the data. And so today, uh, Casey called us and said, hey, let's go over the combine market. Let's see what's happening. Uh, kind of a recap of August, what happened in the, in the combine market. So with that, Casey, if you're cool with it, I, I think we go ahead and kind of move through some of these slides and let Andy uh, lead the conversation. Yep. So real quick, I want to throw this out there. So this was one of those months. August was a month that I wanted to pay a lot of attention to because as you're getting ready to see, there was a lot of not just, well, there was just a lot of combines. There wasn't a whole lot of of other machines out there that got sold on the volume scale that we saw combines get. So I was very curious to watch that sell through those August months. And then what was it, what, you know, what's the ultimate kind of outcome going to be. And this is the great thing about what iron comps does. And as well as uh, what, what you're going to see on tractor zoom, as far as the listings go, but the iron comp stuff, this is really the meat and the potatoes of what I like to see happen on a day-to-day basis with uh with, with this this data that we get so so uh, i'll shut up and let andy go but this is uh kind of nerd down here a little bit but this is going to be uh, some good stuff <clears throat> well well also before we get started if you remember last august of 2019 you know naturally 2019 had a, had its own set of challenges but we saw a huge spike in combine inventory come to the auction market yep. last august yep <laughs> it, it got even bigger yeah and so and so 
just just to, before we get going, uh, all the data that you're going to see here comes from the 435 auction companies that are our partners and advertise on TractorZoom. So if you're looking for upcoming uh, auctions, go to TractorZoom.com. And then if you're looking for historical data, uh, what's going on in the market, market trends, go to ironcomps.com. Yep. Cool. Okay. So, yeah, uh, like Casey and Kyle said, I mean, we saw 503 combines uh, go through in August. And I remember when Kyle and I were talking, uh, we did a webinar back in July, and we were wondering if a little bit of the, the heavy July season was going to rob a bit from August, even though you know our auction success team was talking about they, they anticipated a, a big month coming up. They didn't know how big. Uh, and so, yeah, this, you know, oh, double almost of what we saw last August. So huge month. And then uh, really kind of what I want to get into today is, is three parts. So, you know, the first one talking a little bit about the, the relationship between the, the price and how SEP hours uh, drive that price, but then overall just the trend that we've been seeing. Uh, so uh, what's happened up to August, how August has affected that and just the trend in the overall combine market. Uh, then we're going to dive into a little bit of comparison, a little red versus green, uh, looking at John Deere and Case IH. And then uh, in the final bit, I pulled together some uh, manufactured years. So looking at age of equipment, not necessarily by SEP hours, but by looking at just how old the machines are, when they were made. Uh, and you find a couple neat nuances with some machines that are, you know, made in the past three to four years, and then a different trend, it seems like, in the last 10 years. So uh, I've kind of got it split up into a few different sections, but diving into maybe the most recent and uh, and talking about some of these trends, you know, on the top is just a, a graph, just like we saw, except with a lot of the data that we pulled for this conversation, we took combines that were just over $50,000. So, uh, you know, you've got a lot of combines that are selling for under $50,000, some in the, you know, $10,000 range, probably for parts. So we didn't want to include those in this analysis. Uh, and so you know, just keep in mind, everything that you're going to see from this point on is 50K and above sales, which to still sell, I think that's 188 up there in August, that are above 50K. Uh, saw a lot of good pieces of machine move. So uh, Casey, I'm really curious to see kind of your uh, analysis of this. One of the things that I see from the, from the data that's right in front of us and I know some of the podcast listeners may, may not be able to see this, go to Casey's YouTube channel to, to look at these slides. August 2019, we saw 108 combines sell over 50,000. A year later, August 2020, we saw 198. So almost a 100% increase in combines. Look at the average price over August 19 versus August 20, an increase of uh, what's that? Twenty thousand dollars from one hundred and thirty to almost one hundred and fifty thousand. But what's unique, I thought, is the average SEP hours. So if you look at the quality it brought to market, uh, the average SEP hour in in August of twenty nineteen is roughly that maybe thirteen hundred. But the average SEP hour in August is uh, all the way down to probably 1200 or or, uh, or 1100 so a big discount in the average SEP hours that's brought to market so my my assumption from that is better quality what are your thoughts um <clears throat> yeah i think I've, I've thought about this a lot so the, the the three big sales that we watched you know you had that uh had the sinclair sale you had you had the uh uh, uh ag power sale um, right pro sell, I'm sorry, and then up in Ohio, and then you had Sullivan's two day deal that they had. And between the two of them, I think there were 60 combines ish on the going off memory here about 60 combines on Sinclair's auction. There were 45 or so on um, Ag Pro's deal, and that and it escapes me, I don't remember the number on, on uh, Sinclair's two day deal, but it, it was up there, it was like 40 some combines. And <clears throat> I think to me what the difference between those three big sales were compared to what we've seen uh, up and up to this point was everyone was taking the you know the the 2012 2014 2013 model stuff to to auction and they were all 
the same. You know what? Everybody had a something with fifteen hundred hours on it. Uh, you know, had twelve hundred hours on it. Those kind of things. Separator hours type of deal. Those three cells brought in a wide variety of machinery that was under a thousand separator hours. In, in some cases, we had a lot of five hundred hour machines. We had a lot of you know two hundred fifty hour machines. I want to say um, the Ag Pro cell had some. 660s, I remember, if I remember correctly, had like 250 separator hours on them. Um, so there was, I think what they did that was different about those, those two sales compared to what we've seen up to that point was they had obviously a, a large inventory of under 500 hour machines and they took them and they rolled the dice on those to see what they could make happen. And it was something that the auction market hadn't seen <coughs> up to that point. <coughs> Excuse me up to that point so it brought in those those buyers thinking that they're going to get some kind of a, a sweet deal on on a machine um, at auction and those two didn't have that they didn't they didn't have that quote-unquote sweet deal that you would see um at, you know most of those were bringing some pretty strong retail numbers comparatively to what's out there so i guess as i look at what you have here i, I think it was the <clears throat> man excuse me it was the the quality the lower houred machines that that have had to come that have come to the market here of late, um, you know, a lot of those are two-year-old machines that are are uh, probably coming up on a on a year, year and a half, you know, birthday, and, and they're looking at what they're going to do to get rid of them. I think they they knew the the outcome of the you know 2012 S 670 with you know 1500 separator hours on it was going to bring somewhere between you know 65 and 85 thousand bucks depending on how it was set up. So I think they kind of knew what that was going to be and um, may or may not have, have uh, had an appetite to do that comparatively to where they're at, thinking that maybe these other machines coming in were going to do it. And I get, you know, my hat goes off to the guy that sold and they understand the market. And I'm sure there was some coaching that went into that um, and and uh, some back and forth on, on what they wanted to get where, and, and they did a great job with it. But, um, you know, getting lightning to strike, one place once is, is hard enough, much less three times. And I, I think we kind of saw the fall off there towards the end of the month that some of those sales with the number of machines that have been hit the market at that point. And I, I really think that's where you're starting to see, like, <clears throat> in your middle graph there, your average price, how it really kind of starts to, you know, peaks way up there at the end, and it starts has a pretty rapid drop off there towards the end of that. And it kind of, I think that's what we were seeing in that, that August August time frame is that, yeah, combine value started to go up, but simple supply and demand. When you flood the market with something, sooner or later it's going to have a have an adverse effect on on pricing. So you think that uh, this big glut that hit the market in August was a lot of people trying to kind of replicate what happened at the Sinclair auction? Absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, that that Sinclair auction thing, I was. I was terrified what was going to happen with that. I, I thought, man, this is all we need right now is to have this kind of a this kind of volume hit the market in one day, and then all of a sudden there's going to be this massive um, reset of the marketplace. And I, I watched it, and the one thing I didn't take into consideration though was, and that's you know shame on me for not doing that was what they put in it. It wasn't the it wasn't the 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 run-of-the-mill stuff it was stuff we hadn't seen before and you could tell where where the thirst for hours were by by how those machines sold for and i really believe that they uh they they actually helped prop the market up um not necessarily like values went up or anything like that but it really solidified that bottom and i think that's what we saw with that cell and the next two cells after that we really they, they kind of repeated each other there wasn't a the up and down that you would see uh in the typical uh market wasn't there it was pretty pretty consistent um there wasn't a there wasn't any real big surprises um until we got to the end of the month and at the end of the month there were some there was a few surprises machines that just like that that had sold in the previous three auctions of a volume um brought 10 to 15 percent less than than those three did so it kind of showed i mean it just kind of reset itself there a little bit had a bit of a correction there at the end hmm. well on that note kyle and i were talking a little yesterday on the, the way the direction that everything was going and we looked a little bit more month over month and year over year instead of just you know that fatigue 
at, at the end of August. But uh, one thing for the listeners that aren't able to look at the slides right now, we do see uh, a month-over-month general trend up in this average price, which you'd expect, uh, especially since on the, the SEP hours, it's a lot more slight, but that the trend line is actually down. And so we've seen some of these younger machines hit the market, which what we were just talking about. You know, the Sinclair auction brought some that were just 400 SEP hours. And so you expect that to bring a little bit higher price and drive that price trend up. But then Kyle and I were talking yesterday on, on that trend up on price, how much of that is actually due to these younger machines hitting the market. And so that's what we tried to flesh out mm-hmm. is, you know, how much of that, that increased price can be attributed to the younger machines. And then how much of it is just the fact that the farmers may be willing to pay more for combines just overall, or is there something else driving the market? So we got into a little bit of that level of detail. And so uh, what we've got and what we're showing right now is uh, a little bit more of a granular level uh, detail on combine values over the last couple of years. You know, a dot represents a sale. And if you're looking at the graph, you can see, you know, you can see auction dates uh, that are hidden. I mean, they're just thick lines of, you know, these combines being sold in one day or in one weekend. Um, you can literally see the Sinclair auction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's that auction. 75 combines sold, sold in one day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so we actually, we took the trend line of this, which was the same trend line that we had on the previous one, but we actually graphed it and uh, came up with a, uh, a rough average equation of the fact that, you know, day to day, the average uh, combine value is increasing $45, which uh, you know, I think that comes out to about $16,000, $17,000 a year uh, is what, on average, uh, combine values are increasing. So we dove into this, but then also took a look at those SEP hours. And like I said, it's negative. It's just slightly negative, though, uh, you know, to the tune of you got a negative 0.033 per day, which doesn't really make a difference or make any sense until you take that into a year. And on average, combines are getting a little bit younger, driven largely by Sinclair here and those three other major auctions, dealer auctions that happened in August. They're, they're really pulling that average down to about the tune of about 12 SEP hours a year from 2020 versus 2019. So getting a little bit younger. But this is really where Kyle and I started diving into the weeds and geeked out a little bit yesterday and got it brought back a couple of the old uh, math classes. Um, but uh, then we started saying, okay, what is this relationship between step hours and price? And Casey, I don't know if you've dove into this before, but essentially, you know, it's not quite linear. You know, when you drive a combine off a lot, uh, the first, you know, few hundred hours are going to depreciate and change that value different than when you're talking, you know, 2000 to 2,500 hours. Right. And so you see that price change. Yep. And so we kind of tried to fit a best fit line to this thing that represented that um, and found a, a fairly good, decent one. But with this, um, what we really tried to do is, okay, we found a, a decent line that represents how combines are depreciating based on SEP hours. And these are all the combines out there again, that are over $50,000 uh, that have been sold. Um, but we went and took this sucker and got to probably what is the coolest chart, but also the uh, the not coolest. Most confusing. Like is, right, right, exactly. Plain Jane, just a little bit of a table here. But what we found out, uh, and I'll narrate this again for people that can't see it, is average 2019 prices for combines that are over 50K uh, was $100,000. In 2020, and this is only quarter one, two, and three, I, I took out quarter four. Uh, just because we haven't experienced that yet in 2020, so I didn't include quarter four, 2019. But in 2020, average price through the three quarters is 118,000. So that year-over-year price change is about 17,000 uh, increase. And then I took that that neat little curve that we just made on the last one, and I said, okay, based on everything that sold in the last couple of years, uh, just fully based on their step hours and that equation that we came up with for that line, what should those prices have been? And uh, came up with in 2019, should have been 96,000, a little bit lower than the actual 100. And in 2020, should have been 107,000, quite a bit lower than the 118. That's a 10% increase. So essentially what this is telling us is that 
the younger machines that we saw in 2020 account for about a, they should account for about a 10% increase in price. But what farmers are actually paying at auction is 17% higher. So there's 7% out there, 7% premium from 19 to 20 that farmers are paying that's not due to sub hours. Yeah, exactly. So, so in, in kind of put simply, so Andy has, Andy has been able to run uh, some data science models and uh, some different power curves within that data science. And what he's effectively done is adjusted 2019 to 2020 uh, based on, he's adjusted, adjusted based on separator hours. So condition brought to the market. And what he's saying and what the data is showing is a 10% stronger combine market in 2020 than 2019 when you adjust for hours. Okay. Do you yeah. not, <clears throat> so, so you're saying separator hour for separator hour. So just something that's got 500 separator hours on it versus something that's got 500 separator hours on it a year later is worth 17% more, or I'm sorry, 10.4% more. Just so I understand right. this correctly. Right. Okay. Uh, it'd actually be the difference between the two. So about 7% more. Oh, okay. 7% more. Okay. Well, that makes yep. sense because, you know, okay. That makes sense. If you look at two things, one is there is a, the, the lack of machines that are on, I guess, how do I say The number of machines that sold at auction in 2019 that were under X number of hours, say 500 separator hours, compared to 2020, I think, I think the last graph you showed, there was a, there was a exponential, it was almost double, is that right? Oh, yeah, the, the, one, the young yeah. ones that were being sold? Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. I don't know exactly what the proportion is, but a lot more younger ones being sold this August than mm-hmm. uh, the previous, previous August. So, yeah, if you, I mean, I think right now guys are just looking at they're, they're at that point now where the, the need to update their machine to something different um, is, is getting, for some guys, not, it's not for everybody, but some guys are looking at it as, you know, I've got five years in this machine. I'm typically two or three years and then I get, you know, I roll to a different combine, you know, start looking at my hours and, and then cost of operation and all those things. I start playing it. There are more people looking to update equipment in 2020 than there has been in any, any other year that I've looked at, because quite frankly, there shouldn't be anybody. I mean, there, there's nothing, if you look at the marketplace, like there's no reason for someone to be looking at buying equipment right now. I mean, with the, with the way equipment or with the way commodity prices are, but people sure are doing it. And they're, I think what they're doing is they're looking at efficiencies. They're looking at downtime in the field. They're looking at repair costs. They're looking at cash flow, those kind of things. You know, there, there's a lot of good things you can do to kind of offset offset some payments and cash flow um, repair costs and those kind of things by looking at getting to a different machine. I think that's driving the market right now more than anything. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I've got some slides uh, a little bit later too, that indicates something like that, at least in the last four to five years, uh, maybe up to like six or seven years that the people are, are cycling through those newer machines more often, but then you've got people that like to hold on to the machines and that turnover mm-hmm. seems to be a lot less. Yep. Uh, so that cycling through it to to avoid those repair costs or to minimize those makes sense. And that could be a big driver in this. Huh. There, there's key drivers. Something you guys might take a look at too is is when you start getting to 500 hours, what does that look like? And then 750 hours, what's that look like? And then what does, you know, 1,000 to 1,500 hours look like? Because those are some key reconditioning points on a combine as far as is expense, where, where expensive repairs come into play is usually in that, that time frame. So you might you might take a yeah. look at that and see what that looks like um, on your graph. Yeah, yeah, we might even be able to flesh that out. Not not exactly a little mm-hmm. bit later, but maybe based on the uh, the years that they've been in the field, mm-hmm. uh, I'll come back to that one because I think that might explain a question that I've had got later uh, based on the manufactured year. Okay. So, okay, so moving on from this, uh, Kyle and I talked a little bit about diving into a, a little red uh, versus green. And just a, a quick snapshot of John Deere's S680, their S670, uh, and Case IH's uh, 8230. And really kind of high-level look at what they're bringing in the market. Uh, fairly comparable. And again, you'd expect the 
the 680 to be higher than the 670. Uh, and they'll just have quite a few uh, models that are sold. The, the 80 to 30, uh, quite a few less, but kind of splits the difference in the value there. So the S670 is selling for 120,000 on average, the 8230 is selling for 133,000 on average, and then the S680 is 144,000 on average. And what's that look like uh, from, from the usage, Andy? From the usage standpoint, they are close. Uh, you know, S670 probably edges them out uh, here a little bit with 1,264 hours on average. Uh, S680 is just under 1,200 hours. And then the S or the uh, the eighty two thirty is again just a little bit behind that with eleven eighty six hours on average, so really comparable. I mean, S six seventy having a little bit more hours maybe makes sense. It's got to run more hours, uh, cover more ground. I'm not quite sure. Um, What's but, your take on that, Casey? Every every time we look at this S six seventy versus the S six eighty, S six seventies always have more set powers on them. There's more of them out there. I mean, I think there's there's more S670s out there that that are still running in the field. Um, in 2012 and 13, that were the, there was. It's not been till you know like 14 where you really started seeing the swing in in the the amount of of class eight combines that were getting sold comparatively. I mean, usually it was always you know set class seven and you know, a 670 was always the first one to the table. But now you start looking at those those two units next to each other and and they're starting to to kind of almost get to a, a little bit of a parity between the two. So, um, you know, as you – I just think there's more S670s in the field uh, that, have, that are still working than, than there are S680s. And and uh, so, so I think it's probably just the number of machines would be my guess. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't know, too, if that F670 has to run the SEP hours longer. They can't uh, I don't know, go as fast as S680, but I don't know – uh, the difference between the two of them. That would be true. I mean, there's going to be a little more, little more capacity on the S680. Um, you're going to be able to do, you're going to be able to do 25% more, I think, something like that, than than a S670. Which I guess if you did the, you did the math on those two, just real quick, the hour range. What's that look like? You know, you got um, 11.95 divided by 12.64. So that's uh, what five and a half percent. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, that, there's probably something to that. And I guess that's a good point. It's just the capacity is a little better on the six eighty than the six seventy. Yeah, maybe maybe guys are saying, "Oh, I don't need to <clears throat> buy the S six eighty, spend the extra money. I'll just get by with the six seventy. But then you just look at their ending up having to stay in the field a little bit longer. Yep. Yeah, that'd be an interesting analysis that we could do between the two of those. Because uh, even on the next slide here, that, uh, well, I guess two slides from now, <laughs> this is an interesting one. This is the number of them or proportion of these that are out uh, being sold in the market right now. So like S670s, cool. yeah. S680s, kind of on par uh, with each other. I think they're in the 160s that have been sold roughly. Um, but then you've got, you know, 20% of that is what the, the case has been sold. And from all, you know, standards purposes, it looks to be a very comparable machine, but just significantly fewer of those being sold in the market. Yeah. So, but this one, again, it looks, if you're looking at the, uh, the graph, it, it looks scattered. So it's maybe better that you're not uh, looking at the graph if you're just listening to the podcast. But the, the darker blue is your S680s, the John Deere greens, S670s, and then the red sprinkled in there is uh, obviously the case IH. But, again, what you see on that, that blue is it does bring a little bit more of a premium. It kind of sits higher here. Per separator hours, it's bringing a higher price. Mm -hmm. uh, but, like Kyle said, once machines get older, you know, this anything really from 2,000 up, maybe even 1,500 and up on those step hours, really a whole lot of parity between these two machines. And so, yeah, it's hard to, hard to compare the, uh, the 8230 with the rest of them just because it hasn't been run nearly as long. There's not enough data points out there. But the 670, S680, once they get old, um, looks like they're treated close to the same. Pretty crazy seeing some of these 670s and 80s being run to 
five to seven thousand step hours. Yeah, we've looked at a few of those, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, there's uh, they're putting hours on them for sure. Nice. Okay, so the the last section that we did, remember, I said we were going to split up into looking at trends, we're looking at uh, red versus green, and then just started to pull a little bit of um, these combine values, but based on the manufactured year. And so what year did, uh, did the OEM put it out? And then how many of these are we actually seeing at market? And so again, if you can't see the screen right now, essentially what you see is a, a classic bell curve that's going on with a lot of the, the majority of these machines mm -hmm. being sold or that are being sold now and being sold in last year were produced in 2012, 2013, uh, almost 2014. Yep. Just bulk of those machines. But Casey, you mentioned that earlier too, that mm -hmm. you're seeing a lot of these. Like this is the typical combine that hits the market, isn't it? Well, I mean, yeah, those were those three years were the largest production year for, for uh, farm equipment in like mm -hmm. 20 or 30 years. So, I mean, it was every, every manufacturer across the board where they were putting machines together in the parking lot. So, I mean, it was they were getting them out as fast as they could. So, there's a ton of the of those three model years across the board. There's just a ton of them out there. Ah. And your graph shows that. Right. Yeah, that, that explains it. It'll be interesting to see as we age a little bit, you know, is this like the, the pig that moves through the snake and that continues to be the bubble as it goes, or will it, you know, will it shift up a little bit? Um, Cause it makes sense that things that are seven years old are hitting the market right now because of people want to trade them in. Right. But uh, that'll be interesting as it ages and moves a little bit to the left. Casey, the other question I had for you, I mean, these are legitimate sales down here. Mm -hmm. I think that's a 1991, a 95, uh, combine that's sold in the last couple of years for over 50k. Yeah, like that that seems ridiculous. Well, I mean, in over in, this is how long is this? Last two years or last year? Yeah, just in the last couple of years. Last since, couple of years. Uh, January 2019. So if you had a 2000, which would be what a 50 series, that'd be um, depending on the hours. I mean, I could see it bringing 50 grand, 55,000, um, just depending on. What it, what it was. Now, uh, 1990, 96, 10, or a 1995, 96, 10, um, or 9600, I guess, um, would be uh, bringing 50 grand. It, I don't know. That's one of those ones that some guy found in the barn and it's got like two and a half hours yeah. on it. Machine Repeat shows up and does this, does this whole show about how uh, the guy forgot he had it in his shed for 50 years, and then he opened the door, and there it was, you know. So, yeah, it's, that's uh, that's probably what that is. I just can't imagine that there's – most of those machines have got, like, 6,000 hours on them, 7,000 hours on them. You know, they've just got a ton of hours on them. So. Right. Okay, so the next graph then gets a, a little bit to that point, plus what we talked about earlier. Then this is the average price of – combines that are being sold in the last couple of years, but based on the year that it was manufactured. And okay. so if you really start all the way to the right, you know, closest to 2020, you're seeing um, combines that were manufactured in 2019 are going for north of 300K. Uh, again, very low SEP hours. That makes sense. I'll bet a lot of those were, you know, Sinclair or some of these dealer auctions, but you start to drop down significantly, you know, and fast. So things that are sold in 2018 have quite a bit less value. Uh, 2017 probably are sitting around two and a quarter, $220,000. But everything that was manufactured in 2015 up to 2019 has this really steep curve. So just this, this sharp curve right here that as it gets a little bit older, you're losing quite a bit more value for whatever, you know, whatever you're paying for it at auction. But once you hit this like, sweet spot somewhere around, you know, that glut, that 2013 time period, 2014 maybe, it levels off. It, it doesn't follow the same linear pattern. And so you get this flattening right here. Uh, and it seems to happen around 2013, 2014. So uh, my question to you was, is this just a matter of what we saw earlier with those SEP hours? Where one, you know, there's not a lot of difference between a 1,500 SEP hours, 2,000 SEP hours, or 2,500 SEP hours. Mm -hmm. Or th this inflection point that you have around... 2012 2014 does that have anything to do with the the change in the engine 
and the deaf fuel standards of oh, people not wanting. Yeah, I think there's some of that. There might be some of that deaf fuel thing, but I think to your earlier point that people are more worried about a buyer is more worried about they might want a 680, they might want a 670, but they're really more concerned about the number of hours than they are anything else. So they're they've got you know they want thousand hours, and if it's a 670 or a 680 or or a 2330 or or a or 8230 or a 8240 or whatever it might be, um, they're more concerned about at a certain age <clears throat> when it gets to about 12, well, 12, 11, 10 in that area. If that, that's when you really start seeing guys paying attention to the hours are way more important than, than what the machine is. And I think that's mm-hmm. where you're, that's where you're kind of seeing that leveling off there in those years. Yeah. Def does make a big deal. I mean, there's still some some folks out there that are, you know, won't buy a machine, you know, final tier four engine. You know, they want a interim tier four or a you know tier three engine, um, and they want. But the thing about it is, they want you know fifteen hundred hours on it on a tractor. It's a tier three engine, and it's at this point that's a ten year old tractor. You know, so it's that's, right. that's uh, it's hard to find that. Right. Not that it doesn't right. exist, but it's just hard to find. Uh huh. And to answer your question, I, at least on this graph, I can't mm-hmm. tell you what uh, these models were, but uh, whoever bought that in 1991, that 95, they wanted um, it, $100,000 for them. So, yeah. Well, that's the, they forgot, you know, that just, in any shed. Who knows what that is? That's mm-hmm. somebody really wanted that particular rig. So they, yep. they paid for it. Okay. Somebody added it to the collection, like John Kinzenbar or something. <laughs> <laughs> something like that yeah yep uh okay and the the last one that i was pulling in and messing around with uh just looks at the number of step out average number of step hours that are put on machines that were manufactured in all these different years so again still the the x-axis is the same as it was last time um looking at things as recently as produced in 2019 but four things that are produced in 2019 that are sold at auction had an average of just shy of 300 step hours on it. And then the things you produced the year before, a little over 400 step hours on it. And I, I didn't know from this graph um, how to make sense of it and what you thought, Casey, because you know, you've know you got some common trends here, maybe like I said, in the last seven years, where it looks like you're putting anywhere from 100 to 200 step hours on a lot of these machines year over year. But once you start to get to like 10 year old machines that are sold at auction, this is what I don't get. Like things that are produced from 2010 earlier, they're coming to auction with on average the same amount of SEP hours, you know, 1500, 1600, 1700 SEP hours. I, I would have totally expected these older machines to continue to also rack up 100, 200 SEP hours every year, not to flatline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I think when I look at this and kind of what I've seen happen is that the uh, the machines get the most use year over year at a younger uh, as as they're as they're newer. Um, they get you know the guy that's going to put two hundred and fifty four hundred separator hours on them, and then as they kind of go through their lifespan and they become they get a little bit cheaper, then you start running into guys that are going to put in that are going to put less hours a year on a machine. Um, than the guy that bought it bought it brand new just because of the acres they run or whatever it might be. So I see some correlation there. That makes sense from what I see. You know, as I look at this, I also uh, wonder how much of this graph is attributed to as the machines get older, uh, maybe farms are starting to scale. And so what they do is they buy a second combine mm-hmm. or they have two combines that they're ending up running so that they're not putting as many hours on the, maybe they have a 9770 and then they've also got a S770 that they're running and that 9770, they're just not using as much, but they're still, they're, they're still running both of those combines. So then you have the uh, average hours split between the two machines. Yeah. There's some of that. I think you still have some of that. There might be a little bit of that backup combine mentality of, I'm not going to get much for it. So I'll just keep it and, and run it to the wheels fall off mentality and just use it as a backup type of thing. But I think a lot of this is just attributed to the fact that as, as machines get older, they get cheaper and, and the guy that, that, that are buying those older, cheaper mm-hmm. machines just doesn't have the same number of acres that someone yep. that's got, you know, 
6,000 acres of corn to cut and he's got, you know, 1,500 acres of corn to cut. So it's a big, big different, big right. difference huh. in the number of hours they're going to run. So, yeah, yeah. And this probably goes to your last slide of, okay, as you look at from 2010 to oh, 2004, the, the average SEP hours is pretty flat. So is right. the depreciation as you look at the average price. Uh -huh. uh, and you naturally start to, to correlate those two of why you don't continue to see the, the depreciation as quickly as the new machines. Right. Average hours a year aren't the same. Yeah. And, and I didn't think about this till now, Casey, but this would be interesting and really useful, I, I would think, for your dealers, uh, at least with my marketing hat on. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing a complete segmentation of two different types of customers. So you've got the ones that you talked about earlier that are going and and wanting to trade in every couple of years uh, to get the newer machine, you know, maybe it's to reduce the uh, wear and tear, keep the repair costs low. Um, but they're probably also, at least by look at this graph, uh, they're they're high acreage farmers. Mm -hmm. um, and so they've got that acreage that they're putting on 200, 300 SEP hours every year. But then you've got this different subset um, you know, in a marketing world, it's persona of farmers that are essentially, you know, they're not going to trade in that combine until it's 10 years old. Like they've got right. that in their mindset and it looks here that, you know, they're consistently running a combine to 1,650 hours, you know, it's 10 years old and then they'll trade it in. And there's just a steady stream of them happening year after year uh, that are doing that. And so at least from, from my standpoint and, you know, looking at this from a marketing angle and, and kind of trying to segment my customers, it certainly looks like you got that high trade in, you know, constantly getting a new uh, a new machine every few years in this early set, but they're high acres and you can almost figure out how many acres they're doing a year. And then you got the second set of smaller farmers, family farm that have a set number of acres. And it looks to be that 10 year mark that they're saying, okay, this is when I, you know, in my mind, I'm trading in a combine at the 10 year mark and they're doing a very steady amount of acres. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there could be some of that too. But uh, by the time a one-year-old machine goes through um, a 10-year life cycle, it's probably had two or three different owners um, along the way. And there's a, you know, there's a, there's kind of a roll cycle. I think most guys are looking at their combine as, as a, as a five-year asset that they want to keep around for five years and then trade it off. And then there's, there's, you know, a three-year mindset and there's a there's a one or two-year mindset that kind of goes into play there so i think um <clears throat> i still think it's just uh as these machines get older and they go through the trade cycle and they go through their life cycle it's uh they're getting traded down to a uh to a smaller farmer who's just doing less acres and that's why you don't see like the big jump there between i guess that'd be 19 and 18 um from 292 to 427 and then you look at the 20 would that be 16, I guess, right there? Would be just slightly above that. Mm -hmm. So then if you look at um, 16, I'm oh, sorry, be 14. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, 16, 15, 14 there. If you look wow. at how those work, those are all, a lot of those guys still have the same machine from when it was brand new. And they just they keep putting the same, you know, 200 hours a year on it type of thing. And they've done that for five years and just haven't traded it. And that's if you look at where 2010 is and then how that falls off to 11 and 12 and 13 and even four, you know, 14 a little bit. But, but those, those uh, 11, 12, and 13 model years, the hours are with like within like 10 hours of each other on right. average. So that kind of shows you that they've, they've kept those same machines and they've, they've ran those same machines and they're looking at, may or may not the majority of those machines are just now hitting the marketplace from when they were bought new off the farm. So um, there's a steady number of hours that got put on those consistently, as you, as you can kind of see that. There's a consistency there that you don't see across the board anywhere else. So, Right. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, for future analysis, I mean, you, you mentioned the one, the three, the five-year trade uh, mm -hmm. life cycle but also the reconditioning points of 500, 750, 1,000, 1,500. That'll be interesting. I'll have to dive into that and uh, and start to segment that data out, see how those you know, those combines behave differently. Yeah. Uh, cool. Well, from the data we pulled, uh, 
that's kind of what we have, at least for this go round. Right on. Well, that's good stuff, man. This is this is the one thing I like about what what you guys do there at Iron Comps <clears throat> and the data that you collect and that you pull is that you can really get really granular into uh, into what you're looking at and really dive into that from a used equipment management perspective and and what that looks like and how how things are are stacking up year over year and those kind of things. So, hats off to you for the uh, for the good data that you guys are putting together. Yeah. Uh, thanks for be, uh, letting me be on the podcast. This is uh, a joy to be able to share this stuff. No, no problem. So before we go, Casey, uh, you're, you're naturally a Iron Comps user. Uh, you and the 21st Century uh, John Deere group use Iron Comps. And uh, one, one exciting thing that we've had uh, the opportunity to do is be able to leverage that same software that dealerships and banks are using from a professional level all across the country is we have a new pricing tier that's called Iron Comps Insights uh, that maybe if, they're list, if the listeners are farmers or machinery buyers themselves, but maybe not to the capacity of a dealer, uh, they can actually get access to this as well at a new, a new pricing tier of, of $299 a year subscription. Um, and, and if it's okay with you, I'd like to offer your listeners a discount. Is that okay? Yeah, I'd love to give people a discount. That'd be great. <laughs> Have my name attached so, to that. That'd be great. So, Casey, uh, we, we created a promotion code for all the listeners on Moving Iron called uh, the promotion code. It's just pretty simple. It's Moving Iron. Mm-hmm. And if any of the listeners subscribe uh, for a limited time to go subscribe to Iron Comps, you get $75 off. Uh, your subscription to this data that can help you make better data-driven decisions. Just go to ironcomps.com. And when you sign up for Iron Comps Insights, you get 75 bucks off. It's a brand new product and we're when we're starting to see some good uptake from the market. Right. Uh, thought it'd be good to offer your listeners that. Well, I appreciate that. And I'm sure they will too, because if, if you're not using Iron Comps guys and, and, and you're out there, uh, either you're, even if you're, if you're a bank, if you're a dealership, if you're an equipment jockey, whatever you are, and you're not using this data, to look to help value your equipment or at least see trend lines starting to develop and what what's going on out there i highly recommend it because uh, like i said like you said we use it uh, uh in what we do every day and the data that we pull from that is uh it's a great way for us to to do that and, and the thing about it too is just on the tractor zoom side you now if you if you take a look at um all the stuff that's going on in the upcoming auction market you know, we just saw 500 of them sell, combines sell in, in August. Um, if you take a look at what's going on between in September, October, November, December, stuff that's coming down the pike already, there's a fair amount of them still out there to come, and there'll be more added to that as we get closer and closer to these 30-day deadlines with these auction companies each month. And, um, you know, if you take a look at all the online auctions and then all the live auctions and everything is out there, there's a massive amount of equipment being sold at auction right now. And I, I said it for the past three years that the um, auction market is going to be a bigger tail in, in what happens in the retail marketplace as, uh, as the price of equipment gets more and more expensive, and we're starting to see that right now. This is, uh, this is definitely a uh, one of those systems where the amount of um, volume that goes to these auctions is, is, is a direct correlation to what we see happen in the retail marketplace. There's, there's, it's there now. So if you're not using this system, you need to be using this system because it's, it helps you forward for, uh, predict what's out there and then also analyze what's happened. So again, hats off to you guys. I've been a big fan of what you're doing for a long time, long before you're part of the podcast. So I, uh, you know, like I said, just thanks for what you're doing and, and the information you're putting out. Yeah, uh, well, well, happy to be a part of it. We, we love educating and uh, being able to see this data transparency is really cool in our opinion. So really appreciate you having us on the podcast. And again, if, if any of the listeners want to use the same software that Casey and his team is, are using at their dealerships, making decisions uh, from a professional level, just go to ironcomps.com. Use the promo code iron, or excuse me, use the promo code moving iron to get 75 bucks off. And that's only for a limited time, so you have to act fast. Right on. Well, guys, I appreciate that. And Kyle, what's the best way to get a hold of you? And Andy, what's the best way to get a hold of you? 
Yeah. Uh, you know, again, go look at the upcoming auctions at tractorzoom.com or go to look, go to use all the analysis we just went through at ironcomps.com. Uh, reach out to me. I'm, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn pretty frequently. Uh, my cell phone, if anybody wants to just call me and catch up, whatever, 641-919-5953. Right on. Yep. And uh, mine's the same. I've got my email on the screen. Uh, let me know if you've got any report questions on this uh, or, you know, always looking for new topics for analysis to do. So feel free to email me at acampbell at trackazoom.com. Uh, and the same, connect on LinkedIn. Uh, always happy. Thanks, Casey. I appreciate it, guys. So I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as YouTube. Uh, if you like what you see here, subscribe to my YouTube channel and smash the like button. guess that's what you're supposed to say now. That's what all these YouTubers are saying. So um, check that out and see what you got going on there. I, I really appreciate everyone that, that's, that's been a part of this podcast over the years. So thank you very much. Uh, the Moving Iron Summit's coming up here in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. That would be January 20th through the 22nd. If you're a dealer and you want to come to that, reach out to me um, via my website at movingironllc.com, and you get all the information there, and I'll get you signed up. Also, uh, check out the Global Ag Network and the great podcasters that are part of that. So with that, I am Casey Seymour with Kyle McMahon and Andy Campbell. Until uh, next time, let's go move some iron. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hard-working people working hard for you and me. Moving higher time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here.